If you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we are in Galatians, this letter of Paul, one of the earliest writings of the New Testament, and uh, we're excited to be in this amazing book. You know, I really, <laughs> I want you to be free. I do. I think that it is so special and so amazing what we have to declare in Christ to each other and to this world together. It's absolutely amazing. But, but, but here's the thing. We forget a lot what our story is, our frame. So I, I thought about how to do this, and I, I was trying this way. I, I, I really like good stories. Um, really, uh, like hero stories. I want them to have a good ending. I'm not a great tragic movie guy where everybody dies at the end. I, I like to root for somebody. So like, like even, even real stories, like you read about the taking of Normandy by allied forces against the Nazis. Like, yeah, go. Tons of sacrifice and amazing commitment and all the things that happened there. I think of like, like, like remember the Alamo, the story leading up to it and these fighting. I, I think of the Spartans and the hordes coming down on them. And I, I know that's been idealized in movies. But even in movies, like James Bond taking out the villain. Uh, Tom Cruise and uh, the Mission Impossible thing where like there's bad guys, you know, and, and, and they're fighting the bad guys and he overcomes them and it's so neat to see not just the spectacle of the stunts but the actual good guys win. I like it. The, you know, the underdog guys against the evil corporations. I don't even know what to call the underdog. It's an uh, avatar. You're like, oh, man, get them. There's, there's good guys and bad guys and, 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 and I vote for the good guys and I, I associate with them and I go there. I, do you? I mean, Liam Neeson and Taken, and he's fighting back against evil guys who've taken his daughter, and you're like, go, Liam, get him. I'm not recommending any of those movies, by the way. But I find myself rooting for a side. And, and, and that's a bit the problem of it. I, I identify with the good guy. I root for the good guy. I'm the one sort of standing up for goodness and righteousness and, and, and wanting that person to, sympathizing. And, and then the reality is, God's kind of got that. I mean, this book, the Bible, it lays out how God chose a people. Amazing nation. They were his nation. He put his specialness on them. He looked after them. He championed them. At times, he fought for them. He made the, the, the sun stand still while he fought for his people. He lifted them up. He never forsook them. He, he sent special prophets to them. All the other nations were bad guys. right? And, and they're all lumped together in one word. You know what it is, but I'll say it. Gentile. I mean, there were Canaanites and Hittites and, 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 and Edomites and Moabites and all the, the ites around but they're all lumped together in not God's people, right? I mean, all the mass of the Gentiles, and this is the presentation of the Bible. There's God's special people. God delivered them in amazing, surprising ways because he loved them, and the fall guys, the ones outside, the evil ones, Gentiles. God's special people were set apart by say the special group set apart by God. They got a special mark on all their men to say they were, they were God's people. They, they had special things they ate that were different from the other nations. They had different ways they dressed and acted because they were set apart people. They were God's people. 
that made them different. And some of the greatest rebukes by God in the Bible in the Old Testament is when the people started bringing in those evil Gentiles, mixing them in. And, and it's not that ethnicity mattered, or skin color, or gender, or age. It was just where you got special people. Right? Were you God's people? Or were you a Gentile? One final thing. You're a Gentile. I mean, that's it, right? Me too. We're in the bad group. I mean, I mean, try try that sometime. It's really hard to do. I tried it with a movie last week just to kind of say I tried. Is Take one of these movies where it's like, you know, there's a hero and he's fighting the bad guys and try rooting for the bad guys because those are your people. As they do evil things and they get crushed by the good guy and they eventually lose, that's us. Oh, no. I don't want to see myself that way. I, I, I say I'm not bad, but it's, you know, it's not really about morals. It's about who has the real God. And the word is clear. You and I don't. We are the rejects. And that's the frame for our Bible passage this morning. That's the frame out of which we come to this text that we're in in Galatians. If, if you have, there's radical good news. That salvation from God has come to the Gentiles. It's bigger than anything they could hardly even imagine. We don't. We don't see it. We just see, oh, yeah, you know, conversion. We, we, we come to know Jesus, and, we go, and we're kind of tootle along our way. And, and you don't realize the depth of the wonder of what God has declared and how shocking over thousands of years of human history that this is. Amazing. And why it's so important that you and I be free. This is Galatians chapter 2. That's what we're looking at this morning. If you want to turn there and follow along, we'll put it on the screen as well. But that's, that's this. Freedom and fear. And we're going to start with freedom. The incredible freedom we have in Christ. Why do we stand? How it's hard fought. And that's the story. It's our story. When you talk about our story and how we say, well, we've been grafted in. That's right. So the Old Testament, you can read it and say, wow, there's ways in which I'm like Israel. But that's us sort of crossing over. Really, if you're finding me in the Old Testament, you're looking at the Gentiles. And so it's a radical new message from God that they didn't get. Oh, they had hints. We read about it in Isaiah just now. The nation will come to you that don't even know you. But this is our story. And, and so we pick up our story of freedom. We pick it up with this, this conversion story. Maybe I don't even know that you know. I mean, it's, it's Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9 when, when 15 days he, the, the Lord grabs him and then you know, blinds him. And, 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 and Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he has this interaction with Jesus. But after that, you know, he went and spent a couple weeks with Peter, Acts chapter 9, with Barnabas. They were, they were leaders in the Jewish church there. He went off to Tarsus for many years. He didn't like, oh, God saved him, and then he went out to his missionary journey. No, he went and became Paul of Tarsus. That's like he went there. He went and hung out with Barnabas in Antioch. 
because Barnabas needed help. He, he, he went and they met for a year and they made this brief trip as he just wanted to be a part of the community. He made a brief trip to give famine relief to Jerusalem. Some people think that's what we're talking about in this passage, but it's not. Paul hadn't even been on his first missionary journey. He's about 10 years there from that, and then and these, these things start to happen. Amazing things start to happen. And if we were going through Acts, we, I mean, just to, to, just to lay it out, a lot of people are like, well, this is the trajectory of our story. It's like God gave Peter a, a, a vision. Remember the foods coming down and the unclean foods? It says, take and eat. It's around Cornelius and, and how God is accepting Gentiles when they, they don't have to do the things that, that Israel has to do. Then Paul's work in Antioch with Barnabas, Acts 11, the first use of the word Christian is towards the Gentiles. Acts 13, his first missionary journey with Barnabas and Paul and this massive outpouring of Gentile conversion, these bad outcasts, pagan people all of a sudden turning and saying, wait a minute, we, we trust Jesus. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, God is saving the horrible people, the bad guys, the unchosen the Gentiles. So, and that's what we get to what he says in chapter 2, verse 1. After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately, before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I wasn't running or hadn't run in vain. So, so look, Paul says, I've been proclaiming the gospel given to me by Jesus. This good news of what he's done. Fourteen years I've been doing that. And there's this response happening. And then, and then by revelation, you know, I went and talked specifically to those people in Jerusalem. And I took Barnabas, who'd been with me and was trusted by Jerusalem, those folks. He'd been sent out with me. I took Titus, who's a Gentile believer. He's the recipient of the letter of Titus. And so I went and I spoke privately to these influential people and I presented what, was, what, what I was saying. And, and I want to make sure you know the response. Again, this is our story, right? Paul saved by Jesus and sent that hadn't been done before. People hadn't gone. They didn't know. And Paul went and, and, and started telling the Gentiles, the bad guys, about Jesus. And they're turning to Jesus. And to make sure he wasn't running or hadn't run in vain, it's poor syntax, but he was saying he was now running into conflict with some Jewish believers. So he's going to the source, Jerusalem, talking to the guys, Peter, James, the brother of Jesus. In fact, I, I, I want you to read just, just a little bit of this because it doesn't take long. This is the genesis of who we are. So he goes to goes down to Acts, right? This is Acts 15. This is the event that's happening that he's talking about here in chapter 2. Some men came through Judea, were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. They're telling people that to take this mark, the special mark that God said in the Old Testament, if you don't take it, you're not one of my people. Reasonable thought from the Old Testament, but not what Paul had been saying. Right? So after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Do you need to follow Moses? Right, that's the question. 
So, being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. Look, they're coming to know Jesus. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. This is, this is the best story. Look, Paul says, Jesus told me, preach to these guys who are total outcasts and lepers and blind and, and dirty and unclean, and they're coming to know who Jesus is. But the debate is, what do they do then? How do they keep relationship with God? Everybody's about Jesus. Nobody's saying no Jesus. They're saying, what do you do now? This becomes a huge question for most of us. And the answer they were getting that Paul didn't like was you need to become Jewish. You need to get the mark. You need to do the law. Right? And so Paul's making his case. He went down to talk to the Jerusalem church about the message he had, and it wasn't that. And they're rejoicing that people are coming to know who Jesus is and receiving him as Savior. It's not about keeping the Mosaic law. You say, whoa, whoa, Dax, wait a minute. Why are you throwing law in there? They're talking about circumcision. Right? The idea is, is that you don't have to be circumcised in order to be a Christian, which was the mark of the covenant community for them as Jews. So you're saying you don't have to become a Jewish person. Yeah, but that, that, that very clearly involved your keeping of the Mosaic law. You say, well, I don't even know what the Mosaic law is. What are you talking about, Swanson? Have you heard of the Ten Commandments? Now we're getting serious. How do I know it's about that? Because that's what it says. Right? Some of the believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees, my goodness, believers who are Pharisees? Yeah. Pharisees became Christians. They had the study of the law. Someone came to know who Jesus was. Nicodemus, people like that. So, so it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. You see that? This is a big deal. Say, they are saved, they have received Christ, they've confessed God, they've come into the camp, they are no longer outcasts, they are new, they're amazing, and what they need to do for their Christian behavior now is keep the law of Moses. Get the sign, keep the law. If these unclean, unholy, evil, wrong, Gentiles, you know, like Moabites, come into the camp, are considered family, then they need to get the signs, they need to keep the law, they need to do the Ten Commandments. That's what they're talking about, right? Back to Galatians, chapter 2. So, uh, well, the apostles elders were gathered to consider this matter. They considered it in Jerusalem there. But back in 2, it says, even Titus, verse 3 of chapter 2, even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. So they didn't make Titus get circumcised. They rejected this argument. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so they might bring us into slavery, that's pretty strong. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Yeah. This is the important bit, you guys. 
Now, I don't know about all this history. No, this is your story. This is where we stand. This is what it means for us Gentiles to be Christians. Our guy, our apostle, he didn't even go into submission for a single second and say, well, this is Paul talking. Paul's the guy who said in Ephesians 5, submit to one another. But he's not submitting about this because this is the core for your life in Christ. To preserve the truth of the gospel that you are saved by Jesus. And the relationship that you have is based and grounded at the cross. Not based on covenant signs. Not based on keeping the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments. And this is the key part. These false brothers secretly brought in to bring us into slavery. That's what following the law and getting circumcised is. That's people saying, oh yeah, Jesus, but you know, you need to do these things to maintain your relationship. Let me pull out the list. To keep God pleased with you, this is the way you must live. Because it started with Jesus, but it is furthered and kept by you. And the very best you could do in that argument at all is to go to what God gave on the mountain, Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments. And Paul says he's not even submitting to that for a second. Paul fought tooth and nail. He didn't yield. The one who says in Ephesians 5, submit to one another, and this is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And this is Paul. So, so, so what about the other people? Is Paul just kind of out on a limb? No, look, and from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. He's not trying to say I went to the high, high poobahs. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. They didn't say, Paul, you're wrong. On the contrary, when they saw that I'd been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised also worked through me, for mine, to the Gentiles. That's us. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be the pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and to me, and we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us, remember the poor. The very thing I was either eager to do. Ah, uh-huh, ah, uh-huh, something you need to do to be a Christian, remember the poor. No, they're talking about there's a lot of poor Jewish Christians. Don't ignore your, your family. But super importantly, they're not adding anything to the announcement to the Gentiles, trust Jesus and be saved. Forgiveness, full and free in Jesus. It is finished is the cry. That, that's what Paul's doing. Indeed, if you go back to Acts 15 and look at that further, and you can see that the ones who stood and defended Paul and Barnabas were Peter and James. I mean, these are the guys. This is Jesus said to Peter, on you I'm going to build my church. Jesus had a brother, James, who became the the, the stalwart of the church in Jerusalem. And they're saying to Paul, we agree with you. You are right. This is my story. God saving me through Christ alone. 
right? People turning from their self-good to the good of Jesus who's for them and gives them purity and righteousness and, and rightness. And I'm thinking now that I'm, I'm here in Jesus, not that I might be here if I, if I attain or continue to attain to these things that are somehow up here that I might, with my effort and will and help of God, get to. And I know that because look how they said it. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test? This is Peter talking back in Acts 15.10. Why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? See, he's not talking circumcision. They're like, oh, we couldn't bear circumcision. It was too painful. No. They're talking about the law. Right? This is absolutely critical. They say, but we believe we'll be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. We believe we'll be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. This is so critical to you and me. This is the earliest and critical fight for freedom. Do you need to follow the law to keep relationship with Christ? And the answer is no. But you get so many sermons, so many pushes, so much in our water that says, oh, 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 yes. Oh, we frame it differently. We want to, instead of making it about, you know, we don't, we, we don't say, well, have you coveted today? Because we know we do covet. You say, oh, we make it about, are you doing your disciplines in order that you might advance? If you have no heart, to advance yourself, then you must not be saved. Man, I wish Paul was here. Man, I wish, I wish people could see that in, in our society we're putting these burdens on their necks. Why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples? It's about Jesus and what he's done. Do you trust him? Do all little children, are you free in Christ because he has saved you and rescued you and given you his righteousness and purity and forgiveness is yours forever? And we say, yeah, but now I need to know what to do and I'm going to make sure other people do too. Look, the bad guys are being saved. We are welcomed in. This is God's doing in Christ. And the freedom is not having to keep the law of Moses, not having to keep the Sabbath. Not having the relational need, the relationship with God not being based on whether you avoid adultery, avoid lust, avoid coveting, keep the worship days. I'm talking about the law of God. It is all great stuff. It is not bad. It is in my counsel to you to say, hey, your life will go better if you could keep the law the best you can. But your relationship with God forever is not based anywhere near that. It is entirely by the work of Christ. That is the freedom. Freedom for maintaining relationship by you. Right? That's, that's not Jesus plus God pleasing afterwards. That's not, oh, Jesus did this, but you can mess it up, you know, by not keeping the law. You can't mess up forgiveness. It is a gift to you from Christ. You can forget it. You can act like you don't really know it. You, you can wander off. And, and horribly, you can put millstones on people's necks by telling them they better do it or else God's not really for them. See, the message is that the blind and the leper and the dirty and the unclean and the unholy and the worst villains are now coming to know Jesus. How? By receiving the good news that he's done it all. Full stop. Part of me doesn't like that because I don't see that I'm the villain. 
But when my eyes are opened, and, and I know I'm saying this as my story, I know that now I'm not because I'm in Christ. By his work, what he's done. Well, shouldn't that lead to a bunch of stuff? Sure, I, I, I don't know what fruit he's going to bear in your life, but I do know this. It's up to him to bear it. And he's declared that by, by the grace of Christ alone, we are villains no more. We are clean and pure and right by him alone. And, and not by keeping relationship, by works, by becoming more holy, by our actions, but not by anything but Jesus. That's the story. That's the story I know. That's God's story. The so-called good people weren't interested, right? That's the whole parable. Jesus tells it a couple of times. Like, the so-called good people aren't even interested in coming to my feast. So go out on the highway and grab the villains, man. Compel them to come in because I'm telling you, this is where the joy is. (laughs) I'm having a party. Welcome. That's me. The basis of his son. So the earliest account of the struggle over faith is this, the story of our freedom. I mean, don't, don't let it go. Freedom contained in a total trust, of what, total trust in what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. It's amazing. And, and we get that. I get to share it with you. We're waiting for Jesus to return. He's going to resurrect all of us. I look at you now and I say, oh, you broken person. But, but at the same time, I know entirely loved by Christ. And oh, by his amazing. And so I speak to you forgiveness. I speak to you that the gospel is true. I speak to you that it's all Jesus. And he's using you even now the ways you don't even see. I hop on Facebook and I don't really like Facebook, but then I see some amazing posts somebody's done just randomly saying, oh, wow, that's so cool. Praise God. And I get blessed by seeing this amazing. They don't know. I don't tell them. They'll never know they encouraged me that day, what fruit they might have. You don't know, right? But I know I'm free. If I'm not free, I got nothing. So why do we get pulled back? It's in this text, actually, at least one big reason. Because the story's not done here that we're this little piece of Galatians we're in. There's, there's fear. There's fear. That's what's in the text. When Cephas, that's Peter, verse 11, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Whoa, Paul, I thought you had a message of reconciliation and forgiveness in Christ. Yeah, now he's talking to Peter, probably sometime after this Jerusalem council. It's not recorded. It may have been just before, but it certainly was after God had given him the vision in Acts 10 of Cornelius and and the Gentiles are in and eat whatever you want. Peter was the one who had that original vision about the Gentiles not following the law. And so we have this scene, right? Paul rebuking Peter to his face and people even remember, yeah, I remember that. Man, Paul's in Peter's craw. I don't know what a craw is. Somebody tell me afterwards. Right? So, so there it is. Why? Because he stood condemned by God. The apostle Peter? How could he be a, 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 a condemned by God? This is how. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. 
And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So, so Peter says, before some men came from Jerusalem, he was eating with the Gentiles. A clear implication, he's eating food that's unclean, not kosher. I don't mean it doesn't have a little K on it. It's actually a list of foods they were allowed to eat. And the men from James came, and so he separated himself, not associating with Gentile Christians, over the food they were eating, because it was unclean. It was against the Torah. It was breaking the law. And this is the point, right? The issue is not that Peter was thinking it was wrong. He, he, he's got the vision. Peter knew it was okay. He, he'd agreed with Paul, but he was quiet. He wanted people to be mollified, right? Peter's hypocrisy took down Barnabas and the rest of the Jewish Christians, all of them acting hypocritically. Why, Peter? How can you, a, a Jew living like a Gentile, force Gentiles to live like Jews? How can you impose this standard on other people? And honestly, we all do this. It's so amazing to me. Like I can almost find in our lives, in my life, something I'm really strongly against morally, and I go after strongly, is probably something I'm struggling with. I'm probably myself hiding something interesting around those lines. But, but that's the answer that Paul has, is he doesn't have gospel conviction. Fearing the circumcision party is what he says, right? Fear can take many forms. Fear of what they would say about his spirituality. Fear of conflict, argument. I really don't like conflict. I'll just do what they want. Fear of not being with people he cared about. Maybe, you know, if they don't agree with me that it's the gospel alone, they're going to get all mad at me and they're not going to talk to me. These are my friends, and I don't like that my friends say that, that I say, boy, I, I, I'm, I'm standing on the gospel alone, and it's Christ alone, and nothing else that I do. And they're like, no, 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 Dax, you've got to do this and this, and you've got to make sure you have these things, and boy, you're not doing them, so I, I don't know that I want to be around you. Well, okay, I, I don't mind that you do those things. I just want to be numbered with the unclean and dirty believers. Blind people and lepers and you know outcasts. A lot of their practices are just plain wrong. I don't like it. And, and here's Paul. And Paul stands fast. Right? When I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before all of them, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Stop it, says Paul. You don't keep the law. How do I know that? Because nobody does. I've been through the Sermon on the Mount. Be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. Good luck. Peter, Jesus alone is your salvation. And you're acting like it's Jesus plus keeping these other rules. Jesus plus your holy behavior. Jesus plus your so-called obedience. That's not obedience at all. Why? Because it's only about what God has declared in Christ that it is finished and he's paid for us. Get over your fear. Live in the truth. That's Paul's passionate word to them. Okay. This is the thing today. We need to end with this. Most of us do live in fear. I do. I, I'm, I'm, boy, the pastor class, man. Everybody in my staff, we all such fear of men, people. I struggle every day with this. I want everybody to be happy. 
My kids are so mad at me for continuing to say, are you happy today? I just want to be okay. I want you guys to be good. I want you to like me. I want us to all be one big happy kumbaya family. And that is a form of fear. Because it leads me to say things and to, to, to accept things that are not the gospel because I just, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. And today, Paul is rocking the boat. We hear Jesus has done it all and it is finished, but it seems too good. Too much like we just do nothing. Cheap grace. You see, normally for us, we think hypocrisy as saying, I believe in Jesus, but then sinning. Like that's what we see hypocrisy. We say Jesus, but we still sin. And that's not hypocrisy at all because it's about forgiveness, not improvement. I still sin every day. My message that I've received as a Gentile is that Jesus Christ forgives that sin forever. I receive the absolution of Jesus. This is what I'm doing. And this is exactly why Paul is angry at Peter. It's not just in the way that you think. Peter knew that the gospel was true. He knew salvation was in Christ alone. And yet for fear of man, he acted like there were further laws to keep. So the message to you today that you, Gentile, have been given Christ. (laughs) The message is, is that the evil bad guys have been taken in by God. By his grace alone. And he paid the price for it. And he died on a cross for our sin. And death couldn't hold him. And he rose again. And he's for you. And he's using you. And he knows what he's doing. And your life may not look like much. But he is bearing fruit through you. Because he says he will. And I stand amazed. That in Christ you and I are clean and pure. And his forever. That's this Colossians verse I want. To them... God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's my glory, that I got Christ full stop. And therefore I have freedom with you from the maintenance of relationship by my work. Just trusting that he will work on you is what we're encouraging each other in. He is our God. The story is true. God has done it. Oh, rejoice with me. It's amazing, and you're free. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for this story that's our story. Lord, I I don't want to be a Gentile. I don't want this. I want to be strong and clean in me and forgive me, Lord. I know I'm not. I need you. And we, as a church family, we need you, Lord. We need your forgiveness. We need your righteousness for us. We stand because of your promises on the rock that you are, Lord Jesus, in the gospel alone. And Father, I pray that we might encourage each other in it. We might help each other stop at the cross. Lord, we might trust that you're using us ways we don't even see. And Lord, that we might have joy from you in what you've done. In your precious name.